the blast from our past network. Public is not what it once was. The Senate is full of greedy, squabbling delegates. There is no interest in the common good. I must be frank, Your Majesty. There is little chance the Senate will act on the invasion. Chancellor Valorum seems to think there is hope. If I may say so, Your Majesty, the Chancellor has little real power. He is mired by baseless accusations of corruption. The bureaucrats are in charge now. What options have we? Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me, as usual, is co-host Dean, and Dean, it's finally happening. We're doing, we're doing it. We're about to do it, but I am going to put a blockade on your trade between me, Tim. Why would you do such a stupid thing like that? I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I would like to nominate just... you for a vote of no confidence. <laughs> there, there, yes, great, great. Hey, it seemed like the right thing to do was after watching this movie was was put a blockade on. It's you. not the worst idea. It seems pretty effective. <laughs> Listen, for anybody out there who doesn't know what we're talking about or didn't read the title of the podcast episode, we're doing it. We're doing Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. We're starting yes. our franchise walkthrough of Star Wars. It's a new month. It's a new year. Listeners, thanks for joining. Yeah. Hey, just so you know, our plan for this walkthrough is to drop one of the Star Wars movies every month. That's how this is going to go. So expect one every month. And that's and that's going to take us all the way through the entire year. It's going to be a good year, Tim. And for you uber nerds out there who are like, hmm. No, there's only 11 movies. You said it was going to take the entire year. I would say to you, remember, we like to do a franchise wrap-up episode, which is going to slot itself at number 12. Tim, you have a fantastic nerd voice. Um, mm, do you think you, you offend very people much. with it? I don't know. <laughs> do you think you offend anyone with it? <laughs> okay, here's the thing. is like, I hope not because I'm not trying to. Yeah. Because I'm making yeah. fun of myself. I'm making fun of you. Yeah. We have declared ourselves yeah. as nerds, right? Oh, 100%. I think, I think you're, it, it's shots at the, uh, at the um actually nerds. It's the, we can be nerds, but we don't have to be um actually nerds. Well, it's the, sh yeah, it's the, sh yeah, exactly. The, um, yeah. Yeah. It's also the shots at the Uber nerds who are like, you know, yeah. you've gone beyond the cool level of nerd into just like obsessive and, yeah. Obsessive anything is no good. But to, yeah, so Tim's impression is incredible. But if you do happen to sound like that, I probably want to be your friend because we're probably into similar things. Yeah, I'd be, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love to hear some things that you might have to say. Hey, drop us a line 
out there. If you sound like this, hit us up. Don't seriously drop us an audio clip of what you think of Star Wars. <laughs> oh man, come on, somebody do that. That would be great. That needs to that happen. That would be great. That would be great. Okay, we've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we've been wanting to cover Star Wars for a long time, and we're yeah, finally doing it. Wow. Hey, we better not screw this up. After all, Tim, this? I'm so I'm so nervous. Oh, are you? I'm not. I'm just so I'm- excited. I'm like in my chair sweating because I think we're going to mess it up. I think I'm going to mess it up. I don't think you're going to mess it up. I think you're probably well prepared, but I feel like I'm going to mess it up. There's nothing to mess up. Okay. What, what could we possibly mess up? No, I know. I hear you, though. I think there's a lot of uh, expectations about uh, what we might talk about. But listen, here's the thing. We love it. I think it's going to be fine. Yes. Okay, cool. And for the most part, I think the listeners enjoy uh, enjoy us for the most part. I think we do have listeners who tune in because they hate us. <laughs> a listen's a listen. As long as we get the download. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all good. Okay, listen. I saw this one in the theater. I loved it. Me too, Tim. Okay, great. Um, I just said I loved it, but that's actually not true. I liked it. I liked okay. it when I saw it in the theater. Okay, I was 13, so I loved it. I think like I mentioned before... I definitely saw it opening weekend, and I I think it came out in May or something like that, and my birthday is in June, at the end of June, and I went to it for my birthday party, and that was the fourth time I had seen it in theaters. So I was just, I was hitting it every weekend, Tim. You're going after it. I appreciate that. I was that. going after it. A friend of mine, this is no lie, he saw it 21 times in theater. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's too many. He was obsessed. He's upset. Not, He's upset. Where is he? Why is he guesting on the podcast? I know, right? Probably because for that exact same reason, he's not on the podcast. Yeah. I wonder if he's seen it now still just 21 times or if he's still hitting it. If he's just like up to uh, 250. Probably. Probably up to 250. Yeah. yeah. I will say I like this movie more now than I did back when I saw it. Uh, I also think it's a solid first movie for this franchise. I think it sets everything up very nicely. Cool. I like it. Uh, I would say uh, I like it a lot now. And the reason is because I liked it so much when I was 13. I think that's why I like it so much right now, because I just uh, I'm so tied to a lot of the things that are happening. They just they give me fond memories. Cool. OK, so your nostalgia. Um, yeah. I'm I'm more on the side of liking it more now because I can appreciate it more now. That yeah. I'm older and not so wiser. wiser and not so like maybe full of myself like I was back oh, at the time yeah. and things that offended me back then yeah. just shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't really offend you. But, you know, you're whatever. People are yeah. dumb when they're younger. I was yeah. dumb. Yeah. Settle down, younger Tim. Yeah, exactly. Settle down. So I'm seeing things and we'll get to it, but I'm seeing things in this movie now that I hated back then that I'm appreciating now. Yeah, totally. I, I definitely uh, traveled into the hate when I was in my early 20s. I traveled into hating this movie because I was uh, what you were explaining there. I was a little bit full of myself and thought that I knew everything that was good and bad. Um, and then I have come back around to just loving it. Yeah, agreed. Now, I want to get right into this, Dean, with listener comments. Because this Hell is yeah. this is something that we were pushing for, and we we got 
you know, responses. And I want to dig right into that. So cool. let's go. We received an excellent clip from our buddy, John Spees. And let's roll that right now. Hey, gentlemen, this is uh, John Spees from the Blasphemer Pass podcast, amongst other things. And I would just like to briefly talk about who I think the coolest villain in the Star Wars universe is. And there are a lot of really great villains. And I know that this isn't going to be everyone's favorite. But when I was 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, found out that there was going to be a brand new Star Wars movie for the first time in I don't know how many years, 1998, 99, I was super excited because I was already a huge Star Wars fan. In addition to the three original movies, I did read a lot of the books that were kind of the expanded universe, and I really enjoyed them. But I, when I tell you that when the trailer dropped for Phantom Menace and I saw Darth Maul for the first time with his double-bladed lightsaber, I lost my shit oh my god was he the coolest looking thing i had ever seen and yes there are way better star wars movies than the phantom menace and there are really cool characters all over star wars but when i first saw darth maul i knew that that was going to be my favorite little did i know that i would be pissed off when I walked out of the theater after him uh, being essentially killed off. And I know they bring him back later, but to me, I hate it when they when people do that. It's a bullshit move. It's somebody screwed up and they're like, oh, we killed off a, a popular character, so let's find a way to bring him back. Shouldn't have happened in the first place. So I just wanted to talk about that and maybe get your thoughts on Darth Maul and who you think might be the best villain in the Star Wars universe. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. So Darth Maul, John's favorite character. Yeah. Gets killed off. Gets killed off, man. John didn't like that. He, he didn't approve no. of that kill off. Or that they brought him back, which was interesting to me. Uh, he thought that this never should have happened in the first place. Now, okay, I'm with him. I love Darth Maul. I don't know if Darth Maul is my favorite villain. Actually, I know he's not. What I will say about Darth Maul is I think he is the coolest looking villain out of the Star Wars franchise. Nobody yeah, totally. looks as menacing as he does. No, man. He looks awesome. I... I am like 100% with John on like everything that he said. Um, I was 13 when this movie came out. So I was so, so hyped for Darth Maul. I had the double-sided lightsaber. Like the, I, I had that thing and I thought it was the coolest. When those double doors open, I mean, it's in the trailer, um, but it when those double doors open on Darth Maul and Duel of Fates plays and he just, he just, puts the one lights up the one side then lights up the other side i actually believe there is no better moment in a movie 
1999, maybe in that in the whole entire 90s. Like that moment just gets me. And there's a lot of great movies that came out in 1999 and that came out in the 90s. And it just gets me. I love that moment so much. It's just movie magic for me. Um, I'm 100% with him on Darth Maul dying too. I, I was really upset that Darth Maul died in this movie. I thought, definitely we're going to get more of this. Like, there's a trilogy coming up, right? There's a prequel trilogy. We're going to get more of this guy. This is the guy that's going to be one of the main villains in the whole trilogy. He dies. Um, not a fan of bringing him back as well. Uh, just because it does feel like it's a correction. It does feel like, oh shit, everybody loved Darth Maul. Um, let's bring him back. So I, I haven't really enjoyed Darth Maul coming back as much as I should because... I love him too. I, I'm just like John. I love that character so much. I should love that he's coming back, but I don't. Right. Okay. I am kind of in the middle there. Um, but I will say I don't mind him coming back. And I didn't like him being killed. Um, yeah. But I would yeah. like to save my comments for, for a little bit later when we get, get to that scene because I have just some more stuff to wrap up into that. So yeah, we'll get perfect. into it a little bit more there. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely not surprised that Darth Maul is somebody's favorite villain. Very, very cool character. No. Yeah. I think like for me, I've said that Darth Vader is my favorite villain, but I, Darth Maul is my number two. Like he, he's definitely my number two guy. Um, okay. Well, there you have it. Number yeah. two. Yeah. Um, that gets into what else John was wanting to know. He was wanting to know who our favorite villains are. So we kind of got into this in our last, uh, the last Star Wars episode, the warm up. We talked about our favorite villains. Now, for me, everybody knows it's the Emperor uh, because Darth Vader isn't a villain. He's a hero. So it can't be right. Darth Vader. Sorry. Yes, of course. Of course. But dude, I loved the Emperor as a child because he can shoot fucking lightning out of his fingers. It makes sense, Tim. It makes a lot I of sense. I was obsessed with that. I love him yeah. now because anybody who puts that type of detail into a master plan just deserves to be respected. Yes. And I'm always fascinated by holographic emperor walking around on a mechanical crab. What the hell? Look, everybody else everybody else's hologram just stands there looking stupid. But he's walking <laughs> around. He he gets fresh air. He goes like, up and down on the crabs. I love it. It's this guy, yeah. the emperor. Yeah. Tim, I, I love the point about his plan because uh, he has such an elaborate plan. And I think this movie shows that when you try to figure out what's going on. If you try to actually yeah. think hard in this movie about what's happening, complicated. he is setting up the most elaborate plan ever to get where he wants to be. It's and true. It's kind of amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. So your favorite villain... Darth Vader from the warm-up? You said Darth Vader? Darth Vader is my favorite villain, yeah. And then you're going Maul, number two. I, I would go Maul next, yeah, just because I have that connection to him as a kid. I do love I do love the Emperor, but uh, it, it Maul's my number two. Okay, so going a little bit further, here's a couple that I really, really like, um, and it's Count Dooku. Um, oh, yeah. I love I love how stoic he is. Oh, yeah. Right? He's kind yeah. of like, he's very different than Maul. Right. You've yeah. got these Sith Lords, but they, they're definitely different characters, different characteristics. Really like Dooku. And because of the Clone Wars, I really like Asajj Ventress, who is his okay. apprentice in the Clone Wars. And she is a yeah. very cool character. So those two characters, 
those are really high up on my villain list for me. So cool. 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 Okay. John, thank you for sending that in. I want to shout out to John because as soon as we put requests out, it took maybe, I don't know, one hour and he had already submitted his clip. So really appreciate that. And, uh, Hey, maybe John might join us for an episode. Do you yeah, think? Yeah, maybe we'll see him on another episode. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he has more to say. Who knows? If if he was going to come on another episode, I wouldn't be allowed to say anything about it. No, neither of us would. Well, I guess neither I Neither of us would be allowed to say anything about it. Also, if he was going to come on for another episode, he'd probably want to come on for his favorite Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. Interesting. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see if we get him on. We'll see if that was a tease or not. Yeah. We'll see. All right. So moving on, we had another uh, comment from Matt Kaler Art. Nice. Yeah. Now, uh, this is what he said. He says, I know the prequels and the sequels are divisive, but I was the right age by the time The Phantom Menace came out, and it blew my mind. Pod racing cool darth maul cool the duel of the fates soundtrack and lightsaber fight probably the best in the entire franchise the prequels may be lacking in other areas writing acting but we got the glorious clone wars cg animated series that makes up for it it has the adventures and character growth that were missed in the prequels matt thank you that's a great great comment matt nailed it here yeah. absolutely nailed yeah. it he is bang on except for the pod racing part oh, we all Tim, know i don't like the pod okay. racing but listen <laughs> i'm with him the clone wars series makes the prequel trilogy better in all ways if you watch that yeah. it just it elevates these three movies so right. i think it's really for me it was really important to have seen the clone wars and then revisit these movies um yeah what do you think dean i think he is bang on i think um when he says the writing and the acting is not there for this movie that is exactly how i feel as well um but it doesn't matter to me because of the other things it's exactly exactly what he's saying like the moments that are created the pod i love the pod racing so the pod racing darth maul like it's it's all the duel of fates this is the first movie soundtrack i bought and I now just absolutely like love movie soundtracks. That's all I want to buy. Um, buying the score, buying the soundtrack, whatever it is. This is the first one I bought and it was for Duel of Fates. And I put that thing on repeat. I love that song so much. And it's for that moment that I mentioned. It's for that fight, um, which I agree, I think is the best fight. I, I Probably in the entire in the entire series, I'd have to, uh, I'll have to come back to that at the end, but definitely for now, uh, Tim, in it's the best fight so far in this. And uh, we've, we've covered one movie. It's the best fight so far. Hell yeah. Uh, thanks, Matt. Really appreciate that. Um, go buy some of Matt's art, by the way, just yes, do it. Do it. He's got amazing art, Matt Kaler art. Now our buddy Carson also had another comment specific to, um, to where we are right now. He says, my favorite trilogy is the original trilogy, of course, but I do think the prequel trilogy gets a bad rap. It is not as people seem to think it is. And Revenge of the Sith is my third favorite movie overall. 
So, yes, Carson, I appreciate that he likes Revenge of the Sith so much. We mentioned that in the yeah. last episode. And I think this is um kind of a general consensus that it always sounds like the prequel trilogy gets a bad rap for some reason. Um, yeah. You could go into several different reasons for why that might be. I think what people have is maybe, this is what I had, it's kind of false negative memories around the movie. If you would just rewatch it, I think you'll realize that things aren't as bad as you remember them being. Yeah, I think along that lines, it's holding on to the wrong thing. It's it's remembering the movie and remembering it for the things that are bad. Right. Um, but the more that I watch it, the better it gets because I start to just accept that the things that I don't like are the way it is. Like, that's just what the movie is. So I know it's coming. I know it's going to be part of the movie. And then I'm open to just see what the good things are and accept the good things. And then the movie just keeps getting better and better as I watch it. Um because of all these things in it that I missed a couple times, uh, the, the first couple times I watched it or whenever when I rewatched it or when I, when I was 20 because I was just so caught up on the things that were bad. Once you get past those things, that's where you start to really appreciate these movies. Definitely. One of the coolest aspects of this movie is following Palpatine's master plan. Good luck yeah. picking up on it the first time watching this movie. You can't. Yeah. I'm still figuring it all out in my head. The plot is like uh, kind of incomprehensible. Like you kind of can't understand it at all by watching the movie. You can understand it by sitting down and figuring out what happened and sort of breaking it down in your own mind and wondering why things might have happened. And then, you know, sort of filling in the gaps that you had. That's when you can figure it out. You can't just figure it out watching it. So that's, I think, where there's some hang up too, where you're three quarters of the way through the movie and you're like, why is anyone doing anything right now? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Carson, thanks again for, uh, for that submission. Uh, really appreciate yeah, it. Now released in 1999 with a budget of $115 million, this movie grosses $924 million. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's a big one. That's big. That's that's because I went to it four times and your buddy went to it 21 times. Yeah, 24 million of that was my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, written and directed by George Lucas. You may have heard of him. I've heard of him. Music by John Williams. You may have heard of him. I've heard of him. Now, let's just get this out of the way early because John Williams does the music for all of the Star Wars movies except for Rogue One. Oh, okay. That Tim, that's a good, uh, that's a good piece of trivia knowledge there. I'm going to log that away for trivia that I play. Put it in there. Yeah, it's in there. Cinematography by a David Tattersall. And this guy works on the entire prequel trilogy. He also did Con Air, The Green Mile, Die Another Day and Speed Racer. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Some interesting selections there. Yeah. Really great cast including Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and Ian McDermott. Yeah. Home runs, all of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, all these actors are incredible. They just bring gravitas to the picture. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know which one I like listening to more when they speak. They're all so captivating. Yeah. 
I would like to hear them all talking at the same time. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that's I don't the, think I that's want the that. soundbite I want. Yeah, no, Tim, that sounds kind of like uh that's kind of like swamp water when you go when you go to the get your your pop, fill up your pop from the machines and you yeah. get a little bit of everything. Right. Swamp water, it's not as good as you think I don't it's like, going I've to be. I've never liked swamp water. You know what? It's ma- not good. Maybe I'll throw in a little clip here and see what it sounds like. We'll let the listeners decide. Okay. Okay, moving on then. During the initial writing of Star Wars, Dean, George Lucas also wrote an elaborate backstory to help in his writing process. After Return of the Jedi was released, Lucas had no interest in taking the story past the events of that movie, but was quite interested in the backstory he had developed. In the early 90s, Star Wars was enjoying a bit of a resurgence in popularity with some Dark Horse comics and the Thrawn trilogy of novels written by Timothy Zahn. This, along with the advancements in CGI, sparked Lucas to start writing the Star Wars prequel trilogy in 1994. Lucas said... Writing the script was much more enjoyable this time around because I wasn't constrained by anything. You can't write one of these movies without knowing how you're going to accomplish it. With CG at my disposal, I knew I could do whatever I wanted. That's cool. It is cool. Um, Can I comment on the CG for a second? I guess so. I'll allow it. I think... It's just a general comment. Sure. I think the CG that he places in sort of the re-releases of the original trilogy look very bad. And I think the CG in this movie looks very good. It looks very good. It looks very, very good. And it just shocks me that the CG in the in the re-releases, like in, in, 19, in late 90s, 1997 or whatever, looks so bad. Hmm. But maybe that's because of everything else is people. You know, everything else is people and sets, and then they're just inserting CG. This is just like a whole CG environment. Maybe that's why it works better. Um, but yeah, I think this movie looks really, really good. I think the CG looks great. It, it sure does, Dean. Now, Lucas approached Ron Howard, Robert Zemeckis, and Steven Spielberg to direct the film. All of them found the project too daunting and suggested Lucas directed himself. Now, over 3,000 actors auditioned for the role of Anakin. Tupac Shakur was in consideration for the role of Mace Windu. Benicio Del Toro was originally cast as Darth Maul, and Michael Jackson was interested in playing Jar Jar Binks. Hmm. And Sofia Coppola played one of the people in Padme's royal entourage. Yeah, she was, uh, oh, I forget her name. Saudi? Yeah, I didn't know maybe? that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Filming of the movie took three months to complete, but editing took two years. A teaser trailer was released ahead of Meet Joe Black in 1998, which saw many people pay full admission just to watch the trailer. There was a fear families wouldn't be able to get tickets because the nerd army would ascend on theaters, so they actually moved up the release date from Friday to Wednesday to give the nerds a two-day head start, hopefully leaving room for families to view on the weekend. Amazing. That's I w- great. I wonder if that's what created like the Thursday release that is kind of 
normal now. Totally. That that's what happens now. Like uh, they release movies on Thursdays when the release date is that Friday or whatever. That makes total sense that it's like opens it up for then people who aren't just like the the, the super nerds that want to see it right away. It opens it up for the families to go see it. Um, I love that. I love that, Tim. Mm-hmm. Now, it was estimated that 2.2 million people in the U.S. missed work to see the movie resulting in a $293 million loss of productivity. Many companies just closed for the day due to lack of employees. This is yes. the best stat I've ever heard. Yes. I this love that. This is the best that. stat I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's killer. That's amazing. I bet you so many kids skip school too. Totally. And they were just, they probably just told their parents, they were just like, I'm not going to school. So either way, I'm not going. So you can take me to the movie or not, but I'm not going to school. (laughs) I'm not even going to get into the lineup situation, but there were lineup situations, as you can imagine. Yeah. Now, Dean, as we go through this, I want us to keep in mind that this is the first story of the franchise. So while there's things that we're going to naturally take for granted, because we've already seen the three movies that came out before this, I think it's important that we do look at it and discuss it um, critically as the first story in this movie franchise. Yeah, I totally agree. That's how I always watch these. I always start here um, and go through it all. I like to just uh, wipe the slate clean and be like, okay, I'm viewing this now as the start. This is episode one. It's it's in the title. So this is the start and, uh, and I have nothing else. I have, I have no ties to this. I'm just learning the story as we go. Perfect. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy to settle the conflict. I mean, it seems, it seems like that'll just work itself out naturally. It does, Tim. Um, the opening of this movie, no movie can open better than the words star Wars on the screen with the fricking horns blasting from John Williams score. No movie can open better than that. None. This movie hits you so hard. I feel like they wait an extra beat before they blast it. It hits you so hard. It hit me so hard in the theater. It hits me every time I play it. And then that crawl, I get lost in always in that first paragraph. I'm like, wait, what's going on? Oh, <laughs> what's happening here? Really? Oh, it's, come on. It's so straightforward. Okay, so there's, there's trade. There's a uh, dispute in the trade, and they're endlessly debating it. Okay, okay, I can get on board. Okay, let's let's just see what happens. Oh, Jedi's, I'm in, I'm in. Jedi's, let's go. The, the strong are taking advantage of the weak, and we need, we need right, the Jedi's okay. to help. Okay. <laughs> now this movie establishes itself in space. We hear the voice of the one known as Qui Gon Jinn. Then we see a couple of cloaked characters, and we have the luxury of knowing that they're Jedi. Mm. Qui-Gon Jinn drops some Jedi knowledge for his Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi, saying, Be mindful of the living force. You can think about the future, but not at the cost of the present. I love this line, and I think it's fantastic 
considering it basically sums up his arc in this movie. Totally. Yeah. It's such, and it's like the first line of the movie. It's so perfect. Yeah, that is, uh, that's pretty good because what comes off here is that like Obi-Wan's like, I think there's a problem here. And he's like, nah, I don't sense anything. And then there is a problem. So you think right away, you're like, what's up with this Qui-Gon guy? He doesn't know what's going on. But he, this is where it is. This is where the lesson is. It tells him like, you can think about the future. The future is something that happens, but you can't ignore what's currently happening, what's happening in the present. Um, and in that present time, they weren't in danger. They will be, <laughs> but they weren't currently in that present time. Right, right. Because no one knew there were Jedis yet. So they actually weren't in danger yet. So Obi-Wan was thinking about the future when he had that sense. Yeah, and that often comes up, right? The Jedis are like, I sense danger. Or so- yeah. Something, some plan is afoot. But um, Qui-Gon l- likes to look more to what's happening right now in the Force. Like, obviously, yeah. th- what transpires in this movie, you know, it's like he's very much about, like, this wasn't um, random. Like, the, the, the fact that this happened right now is for a reason, and I'm going to follow that. Yeah, Qui-Gon makes a lot of gut reactions in this movie, and this is, this right now, this first scene shows you like it starts it off just being like okay trust your gut basically is what he's saying yeah we meet the emperor also known as darth sidious also known as senator palpatine he's telling a nemoidian named newt gunray uh who is on your list of most hated characters yeah fuck this guy (laughs) he's part of the trade federation yeah and um, Palpatine says to start landing, actually at this, I guess he's basically the emperor when he's saying this, but he says yeah. to start landing his troops on Naboo and not to worry because he'll make it legal. Hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. I like it. I like the show yeah. of power right oh, away. I yeah. like just like kill the Jedis, uh, invade Naboo. Uh, is that, is that legal? I'll make it legal. Yeah. I love it. I love just like, oh, shit, this guy, this hologram guy, he's he means business, man. He's got some power. Exactly. Then we see the Jedi in action when Sidious orders Gunray to kill them uh, instead of meeting with them to negotiate the trade blockade. And Newt, Newt Gunray, he tries to gas them out. What a coward. Totally. He sent in a droid, Tim. Face them like a Nemoidian would. Exactly. Like a Nemoidian would. He sends in a droid. Actually, I'm pretty sure he did face them the way a Nemoidian would with the gas. <laughs> right. Yeah. They seem like uh, kind of like they're cowards. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always love seeing Qui-Gon melt through the door here with his lightsaber. It's, it's yeah. an all-time fascinating Star Wars moment for me. Just how yeah. great it looked and how powerful these lightsabers are that they could do this. It's, it's, and the effects look amazing too. Like it looks real. Even now, it looks tremendous. Totally. Tim, like you couldn't start a movie better no, than this. Like you can't. The, the Jedis are in action immediately and their enemies are droids. So they're able to actually just chop them in half and cut them down. You can actually have the ends of the action you, you can't do that if they're fighting humans you can't in a, in a pg movie you can't cut a human in half right well, but exactly. they're droids so you 
So you get this ultimate action of the just cutting their heads off, cutting them in half. And right away, I'm just like so pumped. This is exactly what I want when I'm watching this movie. I want it to start with the Jedi's just full force. Totally. This is what you want out of like the very first Star Wars movie. You want to know who the Jedi yeah. are and what they can do. So you, we get to see them like as their cloaked figure. They're walking, initially walking the halls with their their cloaks pulled over their face and you can't see much. They look menacing. Then we get to see that they can, they're smart enough to survive a gas attack. Then we see yeah. that they have special weapons. They can melt a, a steel door. Then they get cornered by some, um, some droids. And we get to see that they can move faster than like the speed of light or something. They just blast out of the way. So this is everything you need to set up the Jedi in this franchise. And to your point about the, the droids, I absolutely love the droid army in this movie. I think they're totally. fantastic because for the exact reason that you said, we can get a level of violence out of this that you can't get if your army are stormtroopers, right? The, the Jedi yeah. just destroy these things, um, chopping heads off, chopping bodies in half. It's perfect. And beyond that, like they make the droids kind of fun and lovable. Like they're, oh, they're yeah. characters that you like... It's fun. It's fun to watch them talk. They're kind of stupid. It's fun to watch them get killed like mid-sentence. I just really, probably something that you wouldn't consider for the movie if you're talking to someone about it, but I really like the droid army. I think it, they think they fit really excellently in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never really thought about how funny the droids are, but they are probably the funniest characters in the movie. Everything yeah. they say is funny when it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. I, I love them. I love them in this. So uh, yeah, pretty good start to the movie, I'd say. Oh, like 10 out of 10 right away. Like it can't get better than this. This is exactly what I want. Then we meet Queen Amidala, also known as Padme. And her costume design, dude, is spectacular. This is something that I would say I didn't care for when I was younger. It was just okay, like, a, yeah. oh, okay, cool costume, you know, whatever. It looks stupid. And now when I watch it, I'm just so, like, taken aback by how impressive her costumes are. They're really, really, like, well done and well thought out. I love to try to figure out what's happening with her hair. Um, because her hair is always in some, like, elaborate updo something that's like either wrapped around something or just out and then i think it is really that like well it's it's supposed to be that long like that's supposed to be how long the queen's hair is and then it's just styled that way i love it yeah it's cool i like the way she does her lipstick it's really uh yeah really good yeah definitely um i know you don't like spoilers tim can we talk about queen and padme right off the bat here yeah sure because I think there's moments in this movie that, um, we that we can talk about coming up to them as we go, knowing this information that Padme is a handmaiden to the Queen, but played by Natalie Portman, but she is the Queen. Like yeah. the Queen is Natalie Portman. She is sometimes in her Queen uh, uh, makeup and uh, dresses and hair, and sometimes she is uh, Padme. She's the handmaiden. And there's a different queen um, who's actually Kira Knightley, um, but there's a different queen in the uh, in the makeup to be a decoy. And I think this is 
for me, this is slightly confusing in the movie. Just like the, I, I like the, I like that there is a decoy. I just feel like it, it might have been a little better if we knew, you know, if, if we knew that she, that there was a decoy the whole time, because mm. we know Natalie Portman. So we know that she's Padme. And we also know that that's her being the queen at the beginning. So I feel like it might be kind of confusing um, as you're trying to figure out, you know, why she's Padme and she's the queen. You know, I, I feel like if we had something that let us in on it, 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 some of the jokes might hit more later where she's she's making different mentions of being like the queen wouldn't approve of this and stuff like that. I feel like that could have been a joke that we miss out on when we don't know that she's a decoy. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Um, the shocker moment did work for me, though, the first time I watched yeah. it. It was like a yeah, big same. like, wow, that's a cool moment. But I understand where you're coming from because we do know she's the queen and then we we clearly get to see her with her makeup off <clears throat> when she's the handmaiden. Yeah. Um, what I thought though was that it was just that one time that she decided to do this. I didn't realize that she's doing it almost throughout the whole movie. Like as the queen, as Queen Amidala, she's probably Queen Amidala less than the other people are. It was a shocker for me, you know, realizing that, oh, it, it hasn't been her the whole time. But the decoys look so much like her and sound so yeah. much like her that I just, I bought it. Yeah, I guess we could think that she's switching back and forth between Queen and Padme. Um, and that actually still kind of works. That's what I thought. Because uh, yeah, I, I thought just, since I, yeah. she's out of costume, people don't recognize her anymore as the Queen. So she's just like downplaying the way she looks and then doing the thing on Tatooine. But yeah, I was shocked to realize that, you know, she was not, you know, not playing the queen the whole time. Yeah. Here's just one more thing about that. I think everybody knows except for the Jedis and obviously the Nemoidians who are coming to capture her. I think everyone else knows because her name is Padme Amidala. Like that's her, they know that that's her name and they call her Padme. I think that like, all the other captains of the ship and everybody else knows mm. that she is in disguise. Yeah, I could get on board with that. Yeah, they, yeah they which would makes know. it when you think about that, it makes it really funny. The rest of the yeah. parts that come up later, it actually makes it really funny, which we miss on a first viewing. Um, which but is but you fine get it on the I subsequent viewings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It actually makes it more funny on the subsequent viewings and makes you want to watch it more. Right. So. Queen Amidala is speaking with a hologram of Senator Palpatine, and she thinks negotiations by the Jedi should be over by now, and she's right. They are over without ever starting. Correct. Then the Trade Federation starts to attack the planet of Naboo. In the commotion, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan make their way to the planet's surface, and Qui-Gon saves the life of Jar Jar Binks. Mooey, mooey. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to ask you about something. What are your uh -huh. thoughts on the Jar Jar Sith theory? Oh, that's, uh, I, don't, I, I kind of hate it. I don't hate things, but it's bullshit. I like it. I kind of like it. Oh, get out of here. Get no, I don't think here. it's, I don't think it's, it's not smart enough. I don't think it's true, but I like yeah. it because when yeah. things don't make sense for me in movies, I like other explanations for how they could make sense to me. Jar Jar yeah, as a character in this movie is not believable for me. 
I can't believe it. But if you throw this theory in, it makes more sense than he does as the character he's being portrayed as. So for anybody who yes. hasn't heard about this, there is a fan theory that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord. And if you try to think about it, the way he moves his body, like he's dodging attacks like a Jedi would. He's making weird movements. Um, he often uses hand gestures and motions when he's convincing somebody of something. If you pay attention to that, his hands are always up like the Jedi might be mind controlling. Him and Palpatine are both from Naboo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he infiltrates the Senate. How does Jar Jar get a, a position on the Senate? Hmm. I know how. Maybe, maybe. Anyways, again, I don't think that that's what's happening, but I like the yeah. idea that, yes, he could be a Sith, and his, his play is I'm going to look like such a bumbling fool that nobody will possibly buy me as anything but that. And he uses his Sith abilities to make himself look super clumsy but really, like, the things he's pulling off in this movie, he's like a superhero in this movie, the things he's doing. But he makes it look silly. He's incredible. Right? So, anyways, I just wanted to see where you where you stood with that. Yes. I, I will say I really like the person that comes up with that. I like people that dig into stuff and come up with stuff. I think that's really fun and fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I am not on board with this at all. <laughs> I'm um, interested to dig into some fan theory as we go. And, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some yeah. more fun fan theories coming up for other movies. So cool. I love that. I, I love fun fan theories. Yeah. If you have a fun fan theory, send it our way. So Jar Jar takes them to a Gungan city where they'll all be safe. So we started off in space on a spaceship. Then we landed on a lush planet and now we're going to an underwater world. Dude, yes. I'm having so much fun. It's been like 15 yes, minutes, dude. and these are all the places we've been. Like, to be real, we are still at a 10 out of 10. Like, I know Jar Jar has now entered, and I'm like, what's going on with this guy? But we then go underwater. I love movies underwater. Love it. And there's this amazing city underwater. This is not something that I've... I know we're, we're treating this like the first Star Wars movie, but this is not something I've seen in these Star Wars movies before. Just like that there is this underwater city, something that obviously they couldn't do before because they didn't have the effects. I love it. I love that all the, there's all these like basically little bubbles that uh, that that can be their their homes or whatever. They're, they're, the places are, are in these bubbles that can be dry, you know? So you have to swim to it, but then you can walk through the bubble and enter and, and just walk around like it's just a regular a regular place. I love it. I thought it was so cool. It reminded me a lot of like a uh, Zora's Domain type thing from uh, from uh, Breath of the Zelda, Wild. Which it, I, I had the Breath yeah, of the Wild Breath vibe to it. It looks exactly it, it like really Breath does, of the Wild. Yeah, it does. Totally. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's really cool. One question can the fish swim through that bubble? Are there just fish like swimming through and then just like dying? Uh, possibly. The dumb ones. But maybe not. May their technology is pretty fucking good. They might have like a fish block on that. Yeah, it might be like you have to kind of force your way through a little bit and a fish might right. that. Right, so they would around. just kind of bounce off. Yeah. yeah. Also, you don't know anything about fish, Dean. I know they're ugly and tasty. <laughs> you like to eat them? 
And you won't get in the water with them. <laughs> nope. But I will eat them. That's the best thing to do to something you're terrified of. Just eat, <laughs> eat, eat as exactly. many of them as you can. Exactly. Serve me more fish. <laughs> if I order fish at a restaurant, that's one less fish in yeah, the world. Exactly. Let's get rid of them all. <laughs> now, Qui-Gon mind controls the Gungan leader into giving him a transport so they can get to Naboo Palace and help Amidala. Now, Senator Palpatine is pulling strings as the senator of Naboo to help his plan as a Sith Lord. And, dude, the Jedi had no chance. They never had no. any chance. The way this guy is moving chess pieces around, like, I don't think the Jedi even really ever know they're in a game. They barely know they're in a game. I think that it is... It is on purpose that the Jedi in this movie, other than the two we know, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the rest of the Jedi in this movie sit on chairs the entire movie. They are comfortable. They're fine with where they are in the world. The Jedi's rule, they sit on those chairs and they just talk about shit. And they're not at all aware of what is happening. Like, aware of what... Uh, Palpatine is doing because they are so comfortable. I agree with that. And, you know, they have a bit of a right to be comfortable because the Sith haven't been around for a really long time, right? For sure. For sure. My thing is, look, now that the Sith have shown up or are about to show up uh, shortly, get off your ass. Like, that should have been like the fire alarm the going off. Chair. And just, they yeah. should have like been all hands on deck. Um, but they don't, they didn't really seem to do that. They're just, they're very passive about it. Like, oh, we must uncover the mystery of the Sith, you know? And then it's the, yeah. everybody's looking around like, are you going to do something about it? Or was he, did he mean yeah. you or did he mean me? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Well, let's just wait. Let's just wait it out. It's like, I can't do it right now. My, my chair's in massage mode. <laughs> so I, I pass. <laughs> Is anyone else's chair not yeah. in massage mode? Maybe they can check this out. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then uh, one of them uses the force to unplug one of the other one's chairs. And they're just like, his chair's <laughs> yeah. not working. Send him. He can go. Send he her. Can, he, can, he can check out the mystery of, of the Sith. Yeah. Kit Fisto's chair isn't working. Send him. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't think Kit Fisto was in a chair, but I like your reference. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi are able to get to the queen and free her. And now they want to take her to Coruscant where they'll be safe because that's where the Jedi yeah. Temple is. That's where all the sitting right. happens in Coruscant. That's where all the sitting happens. <laughs> um, so as they're escaping from Naboo, their ship gets shot by the blockade. But with a bit of help from R2-D2, they're able to yeah. get past the blockade, but they're forced to land on the planet of Tatooine early because the ship's damaged. Yeah. Yeah. Now, cool. I know Tatooine. We know. Oh, no, wait, we know I don't. No, we're this not. We know it, but we're not sorry. supposed to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sidious is not happy with this course of action and decides to send out his apprentice, Darth Maul, to handle the collecting of Amidala's ship. And uh, this is where we see Padme use a decoy so that she's able to go down to the planet under the guise of the Queen's handmaiden. And yes, in, and this is where it's kind of this is where it's kind of funny because that Captain Panaka, he's like bringing up Padme to uh, Qui Gon Jinn, and he's like, 
Uh, the queen wants you to take this handmaiden with you. And you know this guy. This guy's been so negative the whole movie, Captain Panaka. You know he hates this plan. You know he hates sending the actual right. queen with Qui-Gon Jinn. So he's so discouraged about this thing, this message he has to bring. So I think that's actually really funny if he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I, I liked that um, Qui-Gon's like, no, I don't think that's a very good idea. So let's not do it. Right. But he was like, no, the queen, like, she insists. So like, yeah. I do like that, the idea he's in on the plan and he knows that he's not allowed to go back to the ship with her. Like she has to go with them. So he, totally. he will just yeah. play it up like, you know, okay, I was asking it first, but now I'm telling you. Yeah, totally. In town, we meet young Anakin Skywalker and he immediately starts hitting on Padme. Are you an angel? Are you an angel? Are you an angel? Are you... Qui-Gon finds the part he needs, but he can't afford it. Dean, there's just not a lot of money in being a Jedi nowadays, hey? No, I guess there's not a lot of money, and uh, his mind tricks don't work on Watto. Right. So he, he's not able to uh, force Republican credits on him. Right. Oh, yeah, I guess he does have some money. It's just his money is not, uh, not good there. It's not good there. Yeah, they only like, uh, I don't know what they like, but they, they don't like Republican credits. They're like dollars. They're like American dollars. American dollars. <laughs> US dollars. Or gold. <laughs> or oil. There better be a president on that bill you're giving me. Yeah. So a storm rolls in, and the crew are forced to take refuge with Anakin at his place. We meet C-3PO, or part of C-3PO at least. He's not quite done. Yeah. This was a cool part, though, learning that Anakin built C-3PO. It's this awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. It's it's really cool to learn that Anakin built C-3PO. Um, we're showing how, uh, how great Anakin is sort of right off the bat, that he's yeah. just so good at stuff. He's really good at electronics. He's really good at building things. He's got quick reflexes. I love this. I love this is... My favorite character is Darth Vader. This is his origin story, and exactly. I love it. I, I I really like that they build up Anakin and build up mm. how great he is. Um, another thing I like about this scene is that C three PO meets R two D two in this scene, yeah. and like they're we love them. They're best of friends. We love them so much. And C three PO's naked. Yeah, <laughs> he like he like for an actual droid, he's naked. Like you can see his circuits. Yeah. So uh, he's super embarrassed. Yeah. So their first meeting. He's naked in it. And so they probably like joked about that for years. Like R2-D2 probably gave him a hard time about that forever. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a great, it's a great scene. Big fan of that one. Yeah. Anakin. I mean, we also see that he's a real people person too. Like he's charismatic, yeah. right? He can talk to people. He knows how to deal with people who are older than him. You know, he, for just a nine-year-old, he's like, he's really mature. Yeah, this is a really weird um, performance for me, like this 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 kid, child Anakin, because he says some lines like to me so poorly, like so much just like a kid who had rehearsed a line and is just trying to say it with like pauses and dramatic uh, like endings to his sentences. But also, I love him in so many of these scenes. So it's it's just a weird balance where I'm like, I don't think he's acting very well, but also... I'm kind of really into what, what he's doing. I'm into this kid. He kind of feels like a real kid. Yeah, I think he did a good job. I'm, yeah. I'm not offended by his, his job in this movie. Now, Anakin, the ever-generous boy, 
offers his pod racer to Qui-Gon in an attempt to help them out. There's a pod race, and if Anakin can win, they'll have more than enough money for the parts. Small problem, though. Anakin has never won a race before. He also hasn't finished a race before. Yeah, pretty funny. So, yeah. Now, Qui-Gon is curious about Anakin. He knows Anakin has special powers. He says if found earlier, Anakin would have been trained as a Jedi. Anakin's mother tells him that Anakin was immaculately conceived and she wants Qui-Gon to help get him off this planet. And Qui-Gon takes a blood sample from Anakin, sends it to Obi-Wan for analysis, and they find out that Anakin has a higher metachlorian count than any Jedi. This is cool. And this is a really great moment and one that I think we all take for granted because we know what's coming. But if you could purge episode four, five, and six from your memory and just imagine you're just watching this movie for the first time, we've seen how badass the Jedi are in this movie. And now we meet a boy who is potentially more powerful than they are. I would have been fist pumping at this moment. Like what, what's going to happen? Like, who's this boy? What can he do? What's going on? I think knowing what comes, we overlook this moment. I agree. I think the first uh, hint at that is when Anakin is telling Qui-Gon that he can pod race and Qui-Gon has seen a pod race before. So he knows how fast it is. And Anakin says he's the only human that can do it. And it's because he can kind of see the future a little bit. He can anticipate what's coming. And so I like that moment. I like that Qui-Gon can pick up right there that there's something really, really special about this boy. Maybe he has a high midichlorian count. He probably is in tune with the Force because nobody else can, no other human can drive in a pod race. How the heck could he be able to do it as a seven-year-old boy? How is he able to drive this thing in a pod race? So I like that in that moment, is when he actually notices it that he wants to take, like that makes him want to take the blood sample later. Um, so I, I think it, it builds up to this moment of this blood sample. It's not just like out of the blue, he takes the blood sample and notices it. Uh, so I like that. I like that it's it's sort of laid out there. Yeah, I think the, like the, the real catalyst for it was when Anakin's mother says that she didn't have sex to conceive him. He was just conceived uh, totally. yeah. and then... I think that's where he kind of clues in like, okay, something's going on here. But I, I do agree. Like, yeah, he was onto something before. Yeah. Maul arrives on Tatooine looking for the ship. And dude, he looks so great in this scene. He shows yes. up at dusk, like just in time to perfectly blend in with his black cloak. And yes. he was borderline invisible in this scene. Like, in, yeah. in, in like five more minutes, all you were going to be able to see was his like beady yellow eyes. That's how yeah. oh, it just looks so good. It's, man, I loved it. I'm really glad you like that because I feel like Maul on Tatooine, there's like two scenes that he's they're in and best. I think they're really underrated. They're I best. think they're absolutely incredible. The first one, what you're talking about and uh, he like where he shows up and he just looks. Yeah, he looks like he's just hiding in in, in Tatooine. He's just hiding out he's in the just open. Hiding in he darkness. just like. He just hiding in darkness. Yes. He gets on a cool ass, like 
motorbike speeder thing and he's just fucking goes so fast down the desert i love that scene too yeah. um yeah I, I think he's underrated on tatooine i think i i kind of i i say underrated because i forget i forget about this part where he goes to tatooine and mm. then every time it pops up i'm like holy shit like this really is awesome he looks so good here yeah the best he looks in this movie is in, is on tatooine and i think it has yeah. a lot to do with him wearing his black co- cloak with his hood yeah it just looks yeah. so menacing yeah, it really is glorious. Maul is awesome. Maul is awesome. Yeah. Now, Dean, it's time for the pod race scene. So I'm just going to let you tell everybody what you like about it. Because I'm not a fan. Oh, I think it. Yeah, that's that's fine. I think it's awesome. I think um, I am very I find all of the pod racers uh very interested like not the not the uh people racing but the actual uh the design uh ships or designs the the what are they i think they just call them pod racers the actual like designs of the the cars the ships the whatever yep. um i i find those very interesting that everyone's is kind of different and they have different functions they sound different i really like the sound of the pod race i think it uh I think everyone's pod sort of makes a different sound. So as they're like going around the bend or as they're entering a, a cave, I I think each one is making a different sound that I can pick up on and that I really like. Um, I, yeah, I think it's visually very impressive um, to have this race in the middle of the movie. It goes on. It does go on quite long. But I, for me personally, I'm totally into it. I like that it also shows us Anakin having just a huge win here. Um, this could be it. This could be the only win he gets in the movie, and I'd be happy he gets an even bigger one later in the movie. But this is enough for me that he gets this huge win in the pod race that it it makes me just like totally on board with this kid. Like I'm all invested in this kid after the race. Beforehand, I'm still like kind of skeptical same with padme because i like padme at this at this moment and she's skeptical so i'm like i don't know i don't know if this kid can pull it off and then when he does i just get totally invested in him and totally on board with him so i yeah i love the pod race for for the visual element and for the story element nice uh i am with you on some of those points so i'll just say basically what loses me with the pod race is the length of the scene uh, I've, I've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's, um, this kind of like dragged out over length action sequence that loses my attention in all movies. Um, that's kind of why I just kind of tune out, but here are the things I do like to keep it positive. I liked how dirty Sabalba races. I think it's hilarious. He's totally. murdering people in this race and tries to murder yeah. Anakin multiple times. That was a lot of fun. I'm with you. The design of the pods, I think, is awesome. The The whole idea of these two giant engines pulling a little pod with a person, it's so dangerous, right? And those things must go so fast, um, which kind of lends itself to what I really like this scene for, which is character building for Anakin as a pilot, which is a big thing for him in the franchise, how good of a pilot he is. And this is the origin of that. So I liked it for that reason. Also, uh, I liked it because there was a cool cameo from Aura Singh, who's up on the mountainside looking down on the race for some reason. And nice. she's like the bald-headed, like white-skinned, red ponytailed woman. She's a bounty hunter, and she actually trains Boba Fett. 
I don't know why she's cool. in that scene. She's not really Amazing. seen from again, but uh, they dig into that a little bit more in the Clone Wars CG show. So cool. So, uh, Dean, you spoiled it. Anakin wins the race. I spoiled it. I Anakin has multiple things that go wrong in the race, so it's also great for to see him problem solve and work his way through. It just shows me that he's like, man, this kid's fucking smart. Like, so many things go wrong in the race, and he figures out how to fix them. Ah, uh, yeah, that was actually another problem for me, is how many things go wrong and how long he's just not even moving for, but yet he's able to catch up real quick. Uh, anyways, it's fine. It's fine. Let's move on. Tim, he Listen. built the fastest pod racer there ever has been. Listen, Annie wins the race and Qui-Gon wins Annie. It's great. Oh, yeah. With the with the chance with his, cube his bet. bet. He made a bet to win a Annie <laughs> if Annie would win the race. Now, Qui-Gon doesn't think meeting Anakin was a coincidence. He thinks it was meant to be. And he offers Anakin the choice to live free with his mother on Tatooine or join Qui-Gon. And Anakin chooses to join Qui-Gon. And Dean, I wonder if Qui-Gon could have gotten the mother freed as well if he tried a little bit harder, but didn't want to try harder because he knows that Jedis can't have attachments. So he knows it would be a bad idea. So I wonder if he left her behind yeah. on purpose out of necessity. I hear you, Tim, but then I remember... Blue, the boy, red, his mother. No, no, I know that part happened. I'm just saying, like, let's consider if if Qui-Gon really wanted to free them both, I'm sure he could have come up with some plan to free them both. I wonder if he just didn't try hard enough. I don't know. Probably because he tells her that he tried to free her and Watto wouldn't have it. And it's like, I don't know if that's really what went down. I'm not sure you actually tried to free her. Yeah, for me, it was a look he gave her um, when Anakin at, or when Anakin said like, oh, so we're both free or something. And Qui-Gon, right. he kind of turned away. Like he, he was looking at them and then turned away. I took it for like, maybe he was like ashamed in, in, a, in a way. Right. Uh, anyway, right. it's not, it's, it's nothing, but it's just something I thought of on this, on this rewatch. I think he puts like, right. He, at that moment after like, uh, Anakin sort of leaves the room, I think he puts his hand on her shoulder and I'm like, I feel like, I feel like they had a thing last night. I feel like they, they stayed together in the same room and that's why he's not freeing her. He's like, who <laughs> Jedi's are not allowed to do this. We are not allowed to have girlfriends. So yeah, sorry. I couldn't free us. So, yeah, in one way or another, I think he, he's, she was going to be an attachment for somebody. Yeah. Do you yeah. think he said, <laughs> I'm with you. are you an angel? <laughs> so Qui-Gon and the group make their way back to the ship with the part they need. They fix the ship. And just before taking off, Maul finds them. And what a badass Maul is. With no hesitation and in a single movement, he leaps off of his flying thing, does a flip, lights his lightsaber, and attacks Qui-Gon. All, all in, this, so in the cool. same movement. It, it looks awesome. Worst part of this scene is it only lasted for like 10 seconds. 
Yeah. But that's why I forget it, I think, because it's so quick. But I love so that he only ignites one side. Yeah, of course. It just sets you up so hard. I mean, I know, again, I know we saw it in the trailer. We saw him light both sides. But it's so cool in the in the story of the movie that he only lights one side here. And so they fight him. Like, Qui-Gon actually fights him and sees him, but they don't know exactly the weapon he's holding. I like it because he only needs one side at this point. He doesn't <laughs> yeah, even true. need He only sides. has one person to fight. Look, they fought for 10 <laughs> seconds. Qui-Gon gets away by leaping up into the ship as it's flying overhead, and he's gassed out. He's sitting on the floor. He's sweating. He's huffing and puffing. Like, this is a Jedi Knight who just fought for 10 seconds and is on his butt because of how good Maul is. It's very subtle, but it's great. They do some really great character development for Maul in this movie. It's just, unfortunately, like, really subtle and kind of done through the behaviors of other characters, not through what Maul does. Totally. I always take note here because Qui-Gon has kicked ass the entire movie. Like, it's not like this is the first fight he's had. We've had him fight droids all the time, multiple droids, no problem taking them out with ease. And then all of a sudden he has a 10 second fight with this guy and he can't get up off the ground. He's lying on the ground, huffing and puffing. I've always took note of that. Yeah. So... On uh, the ship ride to Coruscant, Padme and Anakin continue to bond. It's very important that they do this. It will be, yeah. They arrive on Coruscant, and Senator Palpatine doesn't think they have many options. He says the current Supreme Chancellor is tied up in bureaucratic bullshit, and the only option is to call for a vote of no confidence in the Supreme Chancellor and elect someone with greater resolve Someone more like, oh, I don't know, a Sith Lord, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe a Sith Lord. Yeah, maybe. This is just more of Palpatine's master plan at play here. He knows Padme's number one mission is to keep her people safe. And she doesn't have any time to waste. So what does he do? He leans on the idea that this is going to take a really long time. Yeah, But there's another way to do it, right? Hey, let's do it your way. It's just going to take a long time. But, oh, did you, oh, wait, did you consider maybe there's another way that it could happen faster? I don't know if you want to do that, though, because it's not your way. But this other way, it could happen a lot faster. You think you might be interested in faster? I I could be in that seat this weekend. What I really like is when he brings up the idea of the vote of no confidence and Padme's like, He's been our greatest supporter. Like, she's just like, right away, just like, why would I ever do that? That's an insane idea. This guy has been my greatest supporter. But then he keeps whispering in her ear. He keeps telling her that this guy will never get it done. And she does it. She actually goes for the vote of no confidence of the person that is her biggest supporter, as she's already said. His master plan. He's so good. He's the little devil on the shoulder whispering, just do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Vote of no confidence. Do it. (laughs) Uh, Qui-Gon reports to the Jedi Council on Darth Maul and on Anakin. And they think Maul could possibly be the return of the Sith. And Anakin could potentially be the one their prophecy speaks of. The one who will bring balance to the Force. And I like the inclusion of this prophecy in, in the series. I think it is a really nice touch. Uh, it works for me. 
but I would say it gets completely ruined by the sequel trilogy because this prophecy essentially ends after Return of the Jedi. Correct. Well, the prophecy doesn't matter anymore, but the world's kind of in shit still. So we can talk about that when we get there. I mean, there, yeah, but... the movies continue on. That's fine. But this prophecy, which is such a core of, of the first six movies, yeah. kind of gets destroyed. Kind of, yeah. I like that they're they're like, oh, you think this is the guy that brings balance to the Force? They're still thinking about balance to the Force, but like, where is the Force right now? The Force is all light and a little bit of dark. So like, they're all sitting in their chairs up there. There's all light, and then they have a hint, a talk of there being dark out there. And this guy's supposed to bring balance to the Force? You probably shouldn't want this. <laughs> you probably shouldn't want this, Council. Maybe that's why they deny him. Uh, yeah, well, I agree with you. That's a that's a really great point. I guess I would I would say maybe the only reason that they're still on board with the prophecy was because maybe the prophecy has never been fulfilled yet. There never has yeah, been true. the one to come. So maybe yeah. they know that like it's not done yet. Like th- there's still going to be trouble. There's still going to be turmoil to come. Right. And once the one does come, then we'll know that it's kind of finished. Right. If he shows up, maybe the bad is coming. Maybe that means the bad is coming right. and he's going to bring balance. Right. Interesting. Interesting point, though. Yeah. So really neat scene here at the Senate. Man, this design of the oh, Senate. Yeah. It's great. It's money. It's money. I love oh, it. it's money. It's I so love it. Cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Palpatine's plan is further realized here as Padme's concerns are shrugged off by the Senate. And Padme moves for the vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership. And then she decides to go to Naboo and fight alongside her people. Cool. She rules. She rules. One of my top five favorite characters that we Great. talked about last uh, episode. Yep. Anakin is brought. She bef- proves it in this movie, I think. This movie, she, this is what gets me is this one. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she puts on a really weird accent as the queen, mm. but uh, still love her. It's so her decoys and her can all sound the same, right? Exactly, yeah. So Anakin is brought before the council and tested. Yoda senses fear in Anakin, and we all know that fear ultimately causes suffering, so they, de- so they decide Anakin is too old to be trained in the Jedi arts. Qui-Gon has other plans, though. Now, Jar Jar brings Amidala before the Gungans because she wants to make a truce with them. She reveals she's been using a decoy. This was the the moment, the shocker moment about that. Yeah, right. She begs for help in fighting the droid army, and the Gungans agree. So the Gungans set up their army on the battlefield and go to war against the Trade Federation. And these these are really great visuals uh, at this point in the movie with the armies lining up on this gigantic, wide open, green field. Like to not have a war on this field yeah. would be a waste. I feel like this field <laughs> right. was grown waste field. for war. <laughs> yeah. Waste of a field. <laughs> I-, I love watching the droid army being deployed here too. Just the way yeah, that they all so like... Good. Hundreds of them come out of like a larger ship and then they just kind of drop them down and they turn on. Ah, uh, so cool. Love the droids. The, 
the progression of this battle in this field is uh, amazing. It, it, it's it's so good. I love the Gungans technology and you get to see every single piece of it on full force in this battle. Um, I, they're actually like super technologically advanced. I don't know why they're hiding underneath like the water and don't want to do anything with Naboo. Um, well, they feel like it's a, they, it's yes. a land a land issue. It's like yeah. they live in the water. They, they feel like the war has come to the land, which is right. why they're avoiding it. And they're still fine hiding underwater. Yeah, Am- yeah. Amidala says, what do you think? Or maybe Qui-Gon said, or right. someone said, what do you think is going to happen once they take over the land? They're going to come for you. But the Gungans were like, no, we don't think so. Yeah, they don't know. He's like, and they don't know about us down here. Right. Yeah, but their their technology is amazing. I love that you set up with this force field and yeah. like the the um, droid army has to figure out how to get past the force field. So there's that initial setup. Then they they realize that they can get through there by just walking through there. So then you have a foot soldier <laughs> battle. You have like the shields that the the Gungans have. You have the big balls that they're throwing. Yeah. Um, the little balls they're throwing. You have Jar Jar just being like a complete ass but also taking out half the army um it's so fun i think it's it's so fun and it's such a great progression of it that i'm i'm totally invested in sort of every single step of the way to where we are in hand-to-hand combat i understand how we got there yeah i agree they they did pace this out really well um there's several things happening in the final act of this movie and they're all paced out really well yeah uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Padme, and some others, have made it into the city and are trying to get to Gunray. And they're able to get to a hangar and take control of some fighters, and they send them up into space to fight the Trade's battleship. And then in the hangar, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan finally meet up with Maul and his double lightsaber. Yes, the moment. This is the moment. Now, again... While we're used to it now, that whole double lightsaber thing was just such an amazing addition at the time. Like, what a small idea to come up with, but it's so brilliant because none of us considered it. Nobody considered you could have a lightsaber coming out of the top and the bottom. For sure. And... It's such a great moment because we know he's going there. We've already been told he's going to Naboo yeah. to stop this. Yeah. But then they're in their mission. They're in the middle of it. They're already running into stuff that's like causing them trouble. Then all of a sudden the doors open. The music plays. The guy that we just think is the most badass looking guy in the movie is just standing there in his cloak. He lights up one side first, then the other side. You know, we get that moment where there's a half beat of just the one side yep. and we're like, why is he holding it that way? And then he lights up the other side and it's so damn cool. I can't help but just get so excited for what's coming up um, every time I watch it. Yeah, we haven't seen much from Maul because we haven't needed to because he's so powerful. Yeah. He yeah. finds them on Tatooine so fast. Then he oh, finds yeah. them on Naboo so fast. He's so good. Nothing else happens in between. Like, I guess we could have gotten a shot of him in his spaceship or something, but he's just so efficient. He's just yeah. right behind them all the time. And he gets to them so fast here. And then it's on. Let's go. It's on. The fight's on. And Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan ignite their lightsabers. And now we have green, blue, and red mm-hmm. all fighting each other. And just that visual, just looking at that, just looking like we got these three colors going 
and they're all just in this battle. It's it's incredible. It it is it, for me. It is the, one of the best fights, if not the best fight in the entire series. Uh, yeah, for sure. So this is definitely many people's favorite lightsaber fight of the franchise. Um, yeah. it's not my personal favorite, but I do put it near the top and I'm not going to argue with anybody who says this is their favorite because I can totally see it. Lightsaber fight needs to be something that we mention on the wrap up. We need to say best lightsaber fight. And cause I want to track these as I go along. Cause right now watching this again, it's just like, I can't, I am remem- remembering other ones that happen in other movies and I can't see them beating this one. So I, I want to track that at the end and see where we end up of what our favorite lightsaber fights are. All right, cool. I just made a note. Oh, nice. So we'll do that. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, this fight. Obviously, we have to spend some time on this fight. We have to dig into this. The music, the location they're fighting in, the camera shots that they're doing, the fight choreography. Just, you know, why, why don't you, do you want to tell me what you think of this fight? I'll let you go. I mean, you 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 nailed all the things sort of in general there. Like, I think the choreography um, is it's something that we hadn't seen up to this point. And so it, you wanted lightsaber fights. You wanted to see that in the movie. And this is just it's so impressive. It's almost like like it's not quite it's not quite kung fu, you know, but it's really fast moving that it 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 feels like it is choreographed, right? And that's what makes it so um, entertaining. It's so fast, the things that these these guys can do. And Darth Maul's kind of doing like, he's almost doing like cartwheels and stuff. He's kicking high as he's also do, using his lightsaber. And just having the, the dynamic of having his two sides, he's able to interact with both the fighters at the same time. Um, it just keeps, it, I'm so engaged with it. I also like that halfway through, we kind of do have a split up of the two and then we have one-on-one battles. Um, also, I think just very genius that that happens um, in the middle of this fight. Uh, yes, of course. It's so perfect. Um, to the fight choreography, and you said it, you, you don't think it's quite Kung Fu. The person who did the choreography, he felt like the Jedi would need to know all sorts of different fighting skills if they were going yeah. to do the type of battles that they do. So the choreography he put in place was a combination of lots of different martial arts. So it wasn't just Kung Fu. There were several cool. different yeah. things that he had them doing um, because he thought they would need all these different skills. So what you're seeing is many different types of martial arts kind of put together, which give it a really unique style. Um, I mean, the shield is just genius. It, it's so fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, this is a really great moment just in film, just kind of the build up yeah. to this point and how you're just ready to see these three characters fight each other. And we get paused by shields that get in between them. Yeah. Right. Time shields. Like it's, I don't know what, the purpose of these shields are and i don't care no like it's it's amazing that they're they're sort of timed so that like even just having them timed so that obi-wan tries to sprint through them all before they close it's so exciting it's so fun it's such a great idea that he gets stopped by the last one and can't make it through and has to watch 
has to watch that fight happen. How else could he watch that fight? How else could he yes. have seen what happens there? It's it's so it's laid out so well. Like it's so exciting before that, which makes it such a great fight. But this elevates it. This last part just elevates it that he watches while this while a Qui Gon Jinn fights Darth Maul by himself. Yep, I like that. The first time the shields interrupt, um, Qui Gon realizes what's happening and he just sits down and meditates. While yeah. Maul is like a caged dog on the other side, just totally. pacing, ready for it to get yeah. opened up again. And yeah, Amazing. and then, then Obi-Wan is pushed way further back behind other yeah. uh, shields, looking helpless. Like he looks like he's kind of helpless. He wants to be up closer. Yeah. And then, yeah, like when, when Obi-Wan gets blocked by that last shield, and then we see um, Maul kill Qui-Gon, right? And yeah. like Obi-Wan just screams from behind that shield. And then, you know, it, it opens up a short time after that. And he just explodes out after Maul. It's, it's so exciting. It's, it's really great storytelling through film uh, with what they did with the anticipation and, and just everything that everything that they did building up to at that moment Everybody wants it just to happen. Everybody wants them just to fight. So to actually slow it down again, I think is a really intelligent move. And I, it, I think yeah. it really worked. And it, it made that moment stand out as one of the best in this in entire franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, they slow it down um, to a stop even when Qui-Gon gets killed. And then Obi-Wan's just processing it and getting super angry and still just waiting for that shield to open. And then when it does we get some of the best lightsaber fight in this movie is just like this part where it's just Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. There's some amazing choreography in this um, with some moves that make me go just like, Oh, like I just, I, I just have to make a noise because it's so cool. This, the speed of this fight is just, uh, it, it's like faster than it's ever been. Yeah. And I love this part. I love this part of the fight. It's it's my favorite part of the entire sort of interaction, other than the doors opening. I love that. I love the beginning. Um, but this final fight between Obi-Wan and uh, Darth Maul is my, is my favorite part. So one thing in the scene that I found pretty interesting is how upset Obi-Wan was at the death of Qui-Gon. And it seems like a very natural reaction but we all know that the Jedi are not supposed to feel attached to anything. So this reaction from Obi-Wan, I feel is pretty good character development for him. Just the way he reacts, he screams in anger. And then yeah. he comes out and he kills Maul. Yeah. Which is sort of un-Jedi-like. Like I know they often will kill, but it's the last resort. They definitely try to take prisoners first. So I feel like this was, you know, a bit of development for him. And circling back to what John said about not liking Maul's death, I don't really know, like, how Maul's death does anything other than just progress the story forward here. Like, I don't think you need to kill Maul here. I think Obi-Wan could capture him, and that would be just fine. Totally. Yeah, I I've never really thought about that that I know we we've heard like Yoda's line that you know like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. 
And we have Obi-Wan in this moment with anger and hate. Anger, and then he kills the guy out of hate, out of being angry at him. He kills um, Darth Maul. So that honestly sets up like, it sets up Obi-Wan to be someone who might falter in the future, yeah. um, which he doesn't. So it's weird. It mm -hmm. is weird that that sort of never comes about or that something like that never gets passed on to Anakin in training or something like that. Like, it's just something that we're going to have to um, just in our heads, in our headcanon, think that happened. Think that maybe he passed something on. Maybe him being emotional in this moment also was like maybe Anakin when he was being trained by Obi-Wan was able to see that emotion sometimes comes into it with Obi-Wan. Right. Um, but it would have been cool if they kind of mentioned it and they kind of used that. They used the anger and the hate, which has already been talked about in this movie, and dug a little deeper because that's what happens in this moment. But since they didn't do that, Darth Maul just kind of dies for no reason. Like you said, just dies to progress the plot and end the movie. Just dies to end the movie, really. Yeah. And just to touch on this as well, they do bring Maul back in the Clone Wars animated series. I loved it. I know John didn't like it. John, I don't know if you've watched all those episodes, though. I don't. I know from, from my recollection, you tried to get through season one, maybe didn't get much further. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but give that series yeah, give so, that series a shot but they do bring them back and i i loved yeah. it i loved it yeah so i haven't watched that um spoilers he's in a different star wars movie also and right. that's what i know him from um so when it, he was in that star wars movie i was like oh okay i guess um but i haven't watched the clone wars so i don't know how that came about yeah i don't know what happened in the background he's just a really cool character i'm willing to forgive whatever they did in this movie um, if they feel like it was a mistake and they feel like they have to bring him back, I just want more of him. I want to see more. He's one of the yeah. best characters in all of Star Wars. He's such an interesting character arc. Uh, and so many cool things happen with him in the Clone Wars. Uh, my goodness. Some of the best stuff in that entire series and in the entire Star Wars franchise happens with him yeah. in the Clone Wars episodes. Cool. So cool. It would have been cool if they realized that, like at yes. this point, they realized yeah. that he's so cool. We've made him so cool. Let's not just kill him in this movie. We're setting up a trilogy. Let's make him a big part of it. I don't think they realized like how people would attach themselves yeah. to him. Yeah. So with Qui-Gon's dying breath, he has Obi-Wan promise that he'll train Anakin. There it is. Now inside the palace, Padme has captured Gunray. Out on the battlefield, they can't get past the droid shields. And in space, Anakin is flying around in a fighter that Qui-Gon told him to sit in that he ended up taking off into space. And he's basically become the catalyst for powering down the shields and destroying this battleship. This was a great moment. Like when Anakin comes flying out of the exploding battleship in his, in his little yellow spaceship... I was pumped up, man. This scene rules. This it rules. fight in space funny. is awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's I want to be in that. Like, I want the camera in the cockpit with Anakin. He's so good. He's so funny in this in this last scene. I feel like anything that I didn't like before this point just all goes away at this point. I love everything he's saying. I love the way he's delivering his lines and him destroying the whole thing. I love that he gets this huge win. They basically win this battle 
because of him. Yeah. They were losing the droid battle on the ground until this happened. This shut down all the droids. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love it. It's great. And yeah, that like what he does kind of by accident uh, destroys yeah. the battleship, shuts down all the droids on the planet. So Naboo is once again safe. It's great. Great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Child Anakin. I really I like, like him. him in this movie. I like him, even though, like, yeah, even though he's, uh, I, I, even though he's maybe not as good as he should be, uh, I think this movie sets him up perfectly. Yeah, agreed. The Viceroy Newt Gunray gets shipped off to answer for his actions. Great. Palpatine comes and says he'll watch Anakin's career with great interest. I bet he will. I bet he will. We hear that Palpatine has also become the new Supreme Chancellor, and his main goal is bringing peace and prosperity to the Republic. Okay. I bet it is. Settle down. Settle down there, uh, Palpatine. Settle down there, Palpatine. Okay, Okay, sure. Sure, that's your plan. Uh, Obi-Wan is granted Jedi Knight status. But Yoda doesn't agree with him taking Anakin as his Padawan. Obi-Wan says either way, he's going to train Anakin. So Yoda eventually agrees. We see the funeral of Qui-Gon, where Obi-Wan tells Anakin he'll train him to become a Jedi Knight. And we see Yoda and Mace Windu talking about whether Maul was the master or the apprentice which was neat. Um, and as they're talking about it, the camera pans onto the face of Palpatine. Yeah, cool. That was cool. I like that they're talking about it. The line I don't like is Yoda saying, there's always two, no more, no less. Yeah. I don't like that line because I think it really paints them into a corner for the rest of their movies. Like, I I just don't know why they say this here. Yeah. Uh, um, I would agree. So anytime there's more Sith or less Sith, you're like, but that's not what he said. That's not what Yoda said. So you you can only have two always now. Like I sure. I don't know. I I I just don't like that specific line. I do like that they're discussing it at the funeral, though. You know what? I a hundred percent agree with you in the context of the movies. Now I hate to do this again. I'm going to go back to the Clone Wars um, Mm -hmm. cartoon where they where I feel like it gets elaborated on more but okay. almost in an unspoken yeah. way because there's lots of characters uh in that show who would consider themselves sith right you've got asajj ventress who thinks she's a sith yeah. you've got count dooku who thinks he's a sith you've got grievous yeah. who probably thinks he's a sith you've got palpatine who is a sith so what i find interesting is with all these characters who could be sith who is the real sith who is the oh, one? Okay. You've got a bunch of characters wanting to be that number two, right? But who is it, right? And I think they right. they okay. play with that a little bit, and for that yeah. reason, the whole two thing becomes a little bit more interesting. And yeah. I would say, in the context of the movies, that doesn't work so well. There's one final parade scene where I was waiting for it to end and freeze on everyone jumping up into the air and kicking their heels together. Luckily, yeah. that didn't happen. Ah, oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> and the end. Cool, cool. Good movie. Good movie. Um, listeners, now's your chance to send in any specific comments for Attack of the Clones. We'll be recording that next episode 
pretty soon. So this is your chance. And yeah, looking forward to number two. Same. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, it's, I, I actually thought about the plot a lot more than I have in the past. And it, it, it kind of grew on me a bit because I was thinking of just how Palpatine is working all this stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, and it is confusing because it is confusing because he's doing so much shit behind the scenes that like it, it doesn't really make sense. And he's trying to shadow it from everyone. So of course you wouldn't understand. No one would understand what's going on because it's so hidden. Uh, so I really appreciated it. All the great moments I was looking forward to just paid off like they always do. Uh, Jar Jar was super annoying as he always is. Uh, I kind of, there were scenes in the end where I did appreciate him. I was like, okay, this was good. This was fine. I like this. Um, I didn't need him being a dumb dumb at the beginning. Um, but yeah, overall, just a very enjoyable watch. Yeah. Uh, this is, it's really interesting for me because I really feel like it's a combination of Palpatine's movie where he is, everything that's going on in this movie is because of what he's doing. But then yeah. what comes into the picture, the uh, anomaly, if you will, that he hasn't calculated for is Anakin. And it's also Anakin's story here so far. Yeah. Where Anakin is this, th this person they pick up along the way that they weren't expecting for, which throws a wrench into everything. So they kind of bring together... Palpatine's master plan with something that got picked up by accident along the way. This weird, yeah. this weird anomaly. And that's kind of where this story goes. And I think they yeah. did a really good job of, you know, letting us have that without giving us too much about the emperor or too much about, you know, like Anakin. We don't get a lot from totally. him. We, we do get a lot from him, but he's just a kid, right? So you're not really getting the stuff you really want to see, right? You, you really want to see him both, with the lightsaber yeah. doing stuff, but it's a really weird story kind of focused on these two characters. Yeah, we they're both side characters that are kind of running yeah. uh, what's happening in the movie. Um, the, the main characters are, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn. Basically, the main characters are Qui-Gon Jinn and Padme. Those are the main characters of the movie yep. and they their decisions in the movie are what's driving the plot. There's what's driving the next scene. We're at the next scene because of things that they said and things that they're doing. Yep. But it's these other two and and their actions that are affecting what's going to come and what's going to be in the end. And I think it's I think it's really both of cool. them underneath are affecting what Padme and Qui-Gon do. Yeah. Everything yeah, Padme and totally. Qui-Gon do is is directly associated with what Anakin and Palpatine do. And it's really interesting. Totally. Yeah. It's cool. Awesome. It is cool. All right, Dean. Thanks for joining. We did it. One down. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s 
often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.